Hello, everyone. Welcome to Climb to Your Prime with Dr. Hype. This is time for mental health. This is our monthly, uh, you know, uh, time with the one and only Dr. Uh, Christian Hype, uh, all the way from this time Tasmania, not Australia, which is part of Australia and the south of it. And Dr. can give us a little bit of the, ge the, the geography there. But, but yeah, so this is live. And, you know, y'all watching on YouTube, on Instagram, and it will be all over the place, you know, beyond today. And uh, again, this is your time to ask questions. You can join us. You can call us. The number is on the screen. You can also, if you want to be on the show, there is a link to the stream. You can paste it and then, you know, uh, you can come on and we can bring you up and you can have a discussion live and or just entertain directly with the doctor, ask you questions. Uh, that's all there is for now. So, uh, doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Hurricane. How are you? Hey, you know, I'm doing terrific. We do it again. <laughs> you know, it's all good. It's all good. Well, you know, um, you know, I'm enjoying, you know, this first month of the year, regardless of everything. I mean, I've had great shows already and a lot of guests and a lot of insights. I've learned a bit as always. And that's all we're doing. One thing at a time, one little step, you know, one little event, one little show, one little information that we share with the world. Hopefully we make a difference. And that's really it. And you and I, we closed the year, literally the night, you know, the New Year's Eve. I mean, it was almost wow. New Year's Eve for you guys. <laughs> so, uh, and it was positive. We had a lot of stuff. And, and I have a lot of questions that, that, that some of them from the last, you know, uh, I guess season, because this is actually our fourth yeah. season now. And, um, you know, and we wow. haven't gotten to those questions, but, but we'll go through them today. At least some of them. I don't know if I can go, you know, through all of them today with you, Doc, but, but certainly whatever we can't, we'll cover up next time. So again, folks, if you're watching on Instagram, on YouTube, please join and, uh, you know, the discussion, uh, you can dial in or you can literally just come up and join us on screen. Don't be shy. <laughs> all right. So, uh, doctor, are we ready? We're ready. We're ready. Okay. So I, as always, I try to put these now. I, I believe none of these questions were asked the last time because I try to look and I didn't see them. So these are, uh, you know, fresh. So uh, let's do that. I'm going to put the new one. And some of these are pretty heavy, I guess, but they're part of what we're going through in this world. So uh, I think okay. uh, we get, <laughs> get prepared. <now. laughs> Here we go. So, uh, what is it that some people get a high from vandalism and destruction of property? What drives them to do this, knowing that it is illegal, destructive, and potentially dangerous, Matt? All right. Okay. Matt, that's <laughs> a wonderful question. That's really difficult. Okay. So, uh, when I hear a question like this, Hurricane, the first thing that I encourage people to do is find that space in themselves where they get some sort of a morbid pleasure out of doing what we believe is wrong. Okay. And unfortunately, human nature is such that uh, we can get a pleasure out of being angry, a pleasure out of being morbid, uh, a pleasure from dwelling in a pity party, and as Matt has pointed out, a pleasure from vandalism and destruction. And so this, this harks back to the whole idea of uh, is a person good or bad? And this is an unanswered question, but I believe with Solzhenitsyn that the line between good and evil is drawn in the heart of all of us. So in other words, we have choices that we can make. And the science actually shows that we have free will, that we have choices. Now, I'm not talking about that ultimate free will, you know, that, um, that means that we all transcend this materialism, but on a day-to-day -day basis, we make choices. Now, when it comes to vandalism and destruction, Matt, somewhere along the line, somebody makes a choice to say, this is what I'm going to do. So the question is what drives people to do that and why they get pleasure out of all of it. Now, Matt, I've got to say behind your question is one wonderful assumption that I want to bring out. Uh, and it's the assumption that you make it's the right thing to do the right thing. And uh, this is actually... A very subtle assumption, Hurricane, because all of, a, all of science still wants to do what it can for us to live in peace and harmony in the world. So in other words, let's take it back to World War II and the Manhattan Project when we were discovering the atomic bomb. A group of scientists actually got together and said, we have to make sure that this information ends up on the side of good rather than the side of evil. 
Now, science is supposed to be free of those judgments, but it actually isn't because we know that it's better to be healthy than sick. We know that it's better to be alive than dead. We know it's better to survive than not to survive. So going back to your question, Matt, what is it about vandalism and destruction that gives people pleasure? So firstly, it gives them a strong sense of self and protest. And it was interesting, Hurricane, because uh, last month we were answering a question about parenting. Somebody asked about uh, a child that, you know, wouldn't do what people said, okay? And, no. <laughs> uh, they decided, that's right, that's right. And so part of the human brain is to say, I'm not like you, Dad, or I'm not like you, Mum. I'm going to do this. And so there's a bit of defiance there. And this is actually healthy because it helps us develop who we are as ourselves. But in a sense, society is also a parent to all of us. And sometimes we have to protest against that. And sometimes we have to toe the line and be part of it. So sometimes vandalism and destruction is people finding their sense of self to the cost of all others. But sometimes protests need to be made to move society in the right direction, which is why free societies actually enshrine the right to protest in their constitution so that people can say, this is how I feel. When it gets to vandalism and destruction, uh, most of us sort of say, hey, this is not the way to go because it is starting to cost and it's doing more harm than good. So unfortunately, we do get delight in evil things and it would be good if we got more delight in doing constructive things. And the science shows that we have a choice between doing what's good and what is evil and the aim is actually for all of us to get more of a high from doing constructive things rather than destructive things. Now, that's just an introduction to a large topic, Hurricane. And I don't know if Matt will be satisfied with that. But what do you reckon? Well, no. So so there's a couple, well, one thing. I mean, I, I, this is just my thing. I mean, I, I hear you, Doctor. And I, I, you're obviously the expert. And you're breaking it down from the society and from what it does and how it feels. But, you know, would someone really love their property destroyed? I mean, because these folks, the same people that would actually inflict, you know, vandalism or any type of destruction on everybody else or anybody else's property, would they accept that if it was done to theirs? I mean, because that's how I kind of, that's my judgment kind of, you know, uh, balance, right? I'm looking at it like I wouldn't want to have things broken in my, my world. So why would I go and destroy somebody's property or whatever? I mean from graffiti although graffiti can be artistic and all the stuff and you know people use yes. that as an expression but but yes. you know that's maybe that's one of the positive things that you can see and some of it is great work but yes. but some of it is done just like you know to spite <laughs> or to yes, you know as right. as yeah, it's it's just the way it is so it, i think that's that right. it's difficult that's right it, it, it <laughs> is and exactly what you're saying there hurricane is uh look i don't want my property destroyed I'm not going to destroy other people's property. And I'm going to take you inside the brain as to where that happens. And again, we're going to our, well, my favorite part of the brain called the anterior cingulate gyrus, because as soon as you see that if I hurt other people, they can hurt me, you are using empathy. You are using that part of you that feels part of the human uh, society that says, I want to be part of this and I want us all to be able to get on when somebody becomes destructive and vandalizes property that part of them okay has been hurt if you like or impaired if you like or something has gone wrong in that part where they think i'm out just for me and i don't care about other people and so in this we go into that area of selfishness narcissism and if we go further we go into psychopathy right and uh, for people like this, we have a certain therapy. We call it wall therapy. We will put them in prison uh, to keep everybody else safe. And that's the best therapy that we can come up with at that stage. But so a lot of the work that I do and we do, Hurricane, is actually making connection with other people. And this is using your anterior cingulate gyrus, that part of your brain that says, I actually belong to the human race. And the more people that feel belonging, the more people that will actually come to the party, 
to have parties and fun rather than destruction and vandalism. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Doc. I, I mean, that's really, I mean, what we, we, at least that's how you hope that everybody is. But, but you're right. This is, there's, I think there's a lot of factors that can determine why would someone go there. I mean, ultimately, you know, in previous, I guess, seasons, we've talked about multiple things, including like yeah. you know, upbringing, the circumstances, the environment. And, you know, uh, people are just upset. You know, it's a reflection on, on, on what they have gone through. They might have anxiety and all these things that can, you know, yeah. uh, become, this is more of like a, an after, you know, effect of, of their own, I guess, realities, right? And so it's basically how they, they know better to express. Now, ideally, as you said, we'd like to, to have more empathy and be more part of the game and just be all positive, which in this case, again, as you said, the therapy is not really a happy place when you are behind walls. Uh, and, and, you know, if someone understands that, maybe there is. And, and again, I think part of the question was like, well, you know it's dangerous because you can get hurt. You know, ultimately, you can be in jail, but yet you still do it. It's like almost a thrill for some. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so let's go there. Let's see what causes people to actually make choices that are criminal choices. Uh, and look, they have studied Hitler's brain. And like Einstein's brain, they found that it was just an ordinary brain like anybody else's. Okay. So there are choices that get made. Okay. So people who uh, suffer, uh, let's say, trauma in childhood, uh, what will happen is females tend to then become victims of further trauma, whereas males will actually become perpetrators of trauma. And when somebody has been hurt too much, they get this feeling that they want to take revenge on society itself. Uh, now, I do need to let you know that people who have mental illnesses are of no increased risk of carrying out criminal activities, right? The people that are increased risk of carrying out criminal activities are people who engage in substances, alcohol, ice, and all sorts of drugs. And the reason for that is um, having thoughts of harming other people uh, happens basically to everybody, but we have a frontal lobe that is the source of reason where we go, you know what, I may think that, but I'm not actually going to do it. And what drugs do is impair the frontal lobe so that you go, ah, oh, what, stuff it, I'm going to do this. I'm going to drive this car at this speed. I'm going to go do what I want and hang the consequences. And this is when we end up in the area of uh, criminology. However, there are people who are hell-bent on destruction. And that's, that's why we have a society that includes some sort of a penal system to put limits on these people so that they don't stuff it up for the rest of us. <laughs> uh, the other Thank thing you. that I've got to actually say is um, if our anterior cingulate gyrus, the part of the brain that connects us with other people, doesn't have that connection and exercise that connection, then it becomes impaired. And this is why I actually have a video out against social media because too much social media means that we cut off from each other. We have to look each other in the eye. We have to speak to each other face to face. We have to feel each other's emotions so that we negotiate each other to know that we are all human beings trying to grapple with this thing called life. Doctor, is this video available uh, online somewhere that we can share with, with the folks? or is, is uh, it Yeah, yeah, this is on YouTube. This is, uh, uh, or you can get it through our website. Uh, it, it basically talks about um, the story of social media addiction and uh, how because of the wonderful, wonderful technology that we have, one of the unintended side effects is that we're starting to be isolated from each other and we start to forget that we are all human beings through this together. And the attitude, uh, the uh, antidote to that is giving each other hugs, giving each other smiles, talking to each other, even being in conflict, but doing what we can to resolve that conflict rather than going to areas of vengeance and revenge. Well, thank you, Doc. Uh, just quickly, folks, if you're watching right now on Instagram or YouTube, you know, please join the discussion. Uh, Doctor is here live. If you have any questions or interactions, please put them on the comment uh, field and or on the uh, Instagram. And I'll place them for Doctor 
for to read and to respond to and or you can call us and finally you can also take the actual uh link and just request to get on the show just like you're doing a tiktok or somewhere else on instagram typically so that being said thank you doc i mean that's 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 plenty of time on 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 the vandalism but i think a lot of these questions that we're going to talk about today at least you know if we get to all some of them they do have with to to deal with some of this you know kind of lot lumps them up you know together in in the same topic yeah. you know level but but so the next one is kind of almost interesting i'm going to put it up so you can see a duck and i'll read it so i find myself not caring about the rest of the world i just want to be me and not subjected to influence and others expectations is it selfishness or self-love is this normal yvette okay thank you for the question yvette so the question of self-love selfishness and caring about others will again take us into the anterior cingulate gyrus uh, which is a part of the brain that keeps us connected but the other thing is there's another part of the brain called the insular cortex where we monitor how we get on with other people and how we're actually fitting in to our peer group with the people that we're close to and even the rest of the world this is the amazing thing about our society at the moment yvette never in the history of humankind have we actually known what goes on in the rest of the world let alone cared about it if we were living 500 years ago the whole area of what is happening in continents like africa what is happening in continents like asia wouldn't be known to us we would even wonder if these places exist now that we know that these places exist and that people live there and they are living lives just like us it becomes a two-edged sword it means that on the one hand, oh my gosh, we're not alone, there are other people, that's great, let's share life. On the other hand, it's sort of like, man, this is overload. I barely have enough time to get on with the people next to me rather than people uh, halfway across the world. And uh, okay, so in this, we'll go to the science of altruism. So who do we actually care about? And the science is very clear about this. We will care about our parents, our children and the people very close to us, just like animals care about their young. It's almost as though the young are an extension of you, which they actually are. And this is called kin altruism. So as an example of this, um, uh, just over a decade ago, uh, we went through a flood in, uh, in the uh, town that we were living in, and it was devastating because 20 people died during that flood. And we were all devastated about that. However, on the very same day, over 500 people died also of floods and landslides in Brazil. But we didn't care as much about it. In fact, it took weeks before we even heard about it. And it's the an example of how we care about people who are close, but the further away that people get from us, the less caring we actually have. And you know what? It's actually healthy to feel a little bit of guilt about that because they are actually human beings. And we have a privileged position in our countries because we're doing so well. And part of what we want to do in all of the world is actually increase our technology so that more people can partake of the good life. The more people that have economic progress, safety and security where they live uh, in their environment, the better we believe that we're doing in the world. Okay, so one type of caring. The second type of caring is what we do in economics every day. If I want that car, I have to part with the cash. So somebody gives me something and they, I give them something. This is what's called reciprocity. Uh, I will keep talking with somebody as long as they enjoy it and I enjoy it. We each get something out of it. So in a way, we're kind to each other so that we get on in this world. And that's how all of economics works. And it's wonderful. But there is something above that. It's called empathy altruism. It's when each of us can go just beyond ourselves to actually help somebody else without thought of return. So this is what happens when we give money to charities. This is what happens when we help somebody out on the road. This is what happens when we actually start caring about people what we, uh, that we don't know. And here's the interesting thing, because if we go to the science of survival of the fittest, we, we kind of go, oh, don't understand why people would care about somebody that's not themselves, right? However, in society, 
we decorate heroes. We decorate people who have been in combat, who are firefighters, who are going above and beyond. We love those people, not only for what they can do for ourselves, but they it's like an ideal that they embody for us in our society. So this question also went to self-love, all right? And so let's go there. Where do you then sit in all of this? So in previous episodes, Hurricane, I've talked about how our brain, in a way, works by self-love because we are the center of the whole organization of our universe and how we understand all of life. Mm -hmm. But then something happens that says, I'm only part of something greater. And in that, self-love actually begins to grow when you see that you are part of something greater and that you are a decent enough human being to add to somebody else's life, to give to somebody else's life. Now, if you keep giving and giving and giving and you're knocked down for that, you're going to withdraw because you've had too much of that. But if you keep taking and taking and taking and not give enough, you're going to start to feel bad about yourself. Then your own self-love goes down. And the remedy for that is actually to get out there, share with people, give somewhere, and then you get this amazing feeling, you know what, I'm not such a bad person. I'm actually part of the human race and I'm actually good. I have what's called intrinsic worth. So that gets very complex, Hurricane, but uh, self-love is only in context of being part of the whole of the human race. Well, thank you. That, well, so, so self-love specifically, I mean, everybody, I guess, needs to have some level of that, right? I mean, we do need to take care of this, you know, your personal, because you can't be any good to anyone if you don't do that, right? And, you know, many people sometimes are so caught up with with the world then they follow the influences and you know everything else yes. that's that's out there and you live by everybody else's code but not yours technically because you know yeah. it's the you know keeping up with joneses you know basically uh it's the peer pressure it's like you know what's the trend yeah. and so yeah. you know you kind of like almost become somebody that is not you and so i think yeah. i think as a matter of fact i just did a show about this particular topic and, you know, the author of the book, you know, we've talked about this and it's the concept yeah. where it's really about you and, you know, you basically care, but don't care. Meaning that you care about you first and, and establish your boundaries. And then, you know, you can certainly be participant with everybody else, but, but we have, you have your own self-control versus being controlled by everything around you. So it yeah. kind of changes dynamics because in essence, you see a lot of people, they can't really function on their own because they're always constantly thinking about what other people are going to think about me and how this yeah. is going to affect everybody else. And so now I love what you said that, you know, we have, we admire heroes and people that go beyond the call of duty and help and do more and even sacrifice life. But, but that's one concept, but you know, how does that fit in within me personally? I think that's the, the yeah. question that yeah. that's very difficult to, you know, to balance because like, in a way, and that's, I think, where the borderline being selfish versus really just caring for yourself. Because, you know, if yeah. you don't care about no one, you're basically <laughs> very selfish. But if you care about yourself first because you can do more, I think that's a positive way of, of looking at it. Yeah. Okay. So, so to expand that whole discussion, I'm actually going to draw upon my experience as a psychotherapist, all right? Now, what I mean by that is uh, it's somebody and me in a room together talking week after week, getting under the surface and finding out what's really inside. Because a lot of young people in particular hear that, oh, you've got to love yourself before you can love other people. And then they look inside themselves and they go, but I know the thought, thought that I have. I know that the feelings that I have. I know I'm not that good a person. Okay, so they feel under pressure to love themselves. And so they get to a point where they start to pretend to love themselves. Uh, because wow. they feel under pressure for this, okay? And if we're all honest with ourselves, and that's what I love about psychotherapy, it's a place of honesty, we all can have some pretty horrific thoughts, okay? We can be really selfish inside. We can be so about ourselves that we don't respect ourselves. And this is where people get caught up. So how can I actually love myself when, you know, I know myself better than other people do, and I don't like it? So this is where there's a balance between um, loving yourself and 
um, doing it genuinely. So, and this is part of a book that I wrote, The Seven Love Types, and I left the whole idea of self-love to the end because self-love actually comes from an interesting way. It doesn't come from pretending that I'm good. It comes from knowing that you are capable of love. So in other words, if you actually extend yourself and show love to other people, that that gives you the evidence that you are actually a loving person. Or another way of saying it, if you do something useful in the world, any job, any volunteer work, any study, and you're part of the human race, it actually shows that you want to be part of it. And that, if you like, is a very selfless act, actually saying, I'm not the center of my own world. Now, I know that's a contradiction because I just said that our brains do actually arrange ourselves so that we are the center of our world, but it's in sharing with each other that we get this experience in the anterior cingulate gyrus that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And then we go, wow, if I actually think that other people are worthwhile and I'm a person, then I must be worthwhile too. So rather than sort of seeing that you've got to love yourself first before you get out there and love other people, it's actually a bit of a circle. It all happens together. Uh, as you grow to love other people and see yourself as a person, you get to grow your self-love. And through your self-love, you get that confidence to say, hey, if I'm worthwhile, other people are worthwhile. That means we can all share in this thing called together. And so the called togetherness. So I started off with psychotherapy because we're all able to pretend to each other uh, that we are somebody who we're not. And this goes to being fake. And none of us want to be fake. You want it to be genuine. You want it to be heartfelt. You want to go, yeah, this is real. And so when we develop that love for other people, we also develop love for ourselves at the same time. Well, thank you. So, so here's, here's, a, here's a kick, you know, so I have this theory and maybe I, you know, you, you got to enlighten me today, doc, <laughs> as always, you know, so, so we, we, we come to this world alone. I mean, I actually stated this in, in the previous show, like the, the one you yeah. know, I just had, I, I do have this theory that we come in this world alone. We live this world, yeah. this world alone, basically. I mean, but, but to me, I've always looked at it as this is my reality and, you know, and then we connect with your reality and everybody else around you. Everybody's got their own reality and we all kind of yeah. intertwine our realities and we have kind of roles in this where we meet. I mean, because yeah. you meet some people in life and you don't meet them again. Some people yeah. briefly, some people for a year, some people, you know, for a few minutes, some people for a few years. But but at the end, yeah. they, they come in, they go, they come in. And the same thing with you. You get into their lives and you come out of their lives. You know, some people, it's almost like when someone dies, you don't see them anymore. Well, technically, yeah. some people, they come in your life and they disappear from your life. You don't even know yeah. where they are anymore. And so so yeah. it's kind of like you want to love everybody at the same time, but you do kind of love yourself. You want to be in your reality, but you want to, you know, commingle with the realities of the others. It's like this. I mean, a good way to describe it is like meta, right? The, the world of meta, right? Where we can all get into this fake, you know, simulation yeah. and we can just interact with each other for a minute and then disappear from each other and unplug. Yeah. Well, I mean. You know, it's not that far-fetched as an idea. I mean, I, I again, I, even scientifically, I, you know, maybe there is there's a way to quantify that. Uh, religiously, we can quantify that as well. So it's very deep, but it's scary to know that you know you're in, but you're out, but you have a responsibility. I mean, you and I, we talked about how this show, for example, has a mission to enlighten yeah. people and educate people. But you know, we are trying to do our best in in everybody else's reality. Some people buy in, some people yeah. don't. Some people yeah. listen to it, some people love it. But we do our best. But really, I mean, is that exactly what you're talking about, Doctor, in terms of like, you know, you, you got to love everybody to kind of love yourself. But it's, it's, a, it's not a love and hate relationship. It's just like, you know, understanding where you stand in this equation. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So when we talk about everybody, uh, we tend to talk about people in general society or you're talking about meta, you're talking about people on social media, you're talking about people that we interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. What's more important actually are the people that are close. Mm. It is very rare, less than 1% of the population uh, choose to go through life without having a close partner. Uh, now relationships, uh, some most work, some don't, but we all want it. And what happens is when you're close with somebody, let's say if, if you have a love partner that you've been together with for 10, 20, 30 years, 
You start to inhabit their reality. The idea that I have my reality and you have your reality, it starts to break down because you start to share a reality. Uh, also, when you talk about children, children don't actually know what reality is when they come into the world. They actually inhabit their parents' reality and they share their reality. And then as we spoke about, they start separating from that reality and they start to develop their own reality. But here's the thing. It is very natural for us to share love with another person. And so even if you're in conflict with that other person, when you work out why you're in conflict and after the argument and you say, now I get you, now I understand what you meant, or now you understand what I meant, right? That feels really good because we're starting to inhabit the same reality. And that's an experience that's very hard to have with um, people who are uh, over the internet or just out there. Uh, so, so I'll get very personal, Hurricane. After meeting you, uh, there was something about our eye contact, about the way that we smiled and just chatted, and this was not for a long time, but it meant that all of a sudden that person you feel a bit more closeness to, a lot more closeness than before. So in the midst of all of this, it all has to do with sharing love. And I know that love is a word that a lot of people have been hurt by, but call it caring, call it kindness, call it compassion. This feeling that our brains have that we can actually care about each other and inhabit, inhabit just some of the same reality is what increases caring, kindness, compassion and love in each other. And this is why self-love grows as you love other people as well. Well, well thank you, Doc. You know, it's amazing. Like, well, by, by the way, that, that, that's... There is a reciprocity there because you're right. I mean, when we met, it's a different way. Like when you meet someone in person, it's not the same as when you just talk to them uh, from a, on a phone or a distance. It just makes yeah. it a whole yeah. different way of connection. And, and you're you're right. Obviously, you're on point. <laughs> yeah. But really, it makes it. I, I can relate to that, and I think everybody can yeah. relate to that because you know. I mean, that's like I mean, dating, right? It's a it's a very known thing that happens and people kind of yeah. chat and talk but when you meet someone that's when you determine whether this is a person you want to even entertain for a second date or more or or it's like the end of the story bye bye good night I'm not, I'm not seeing this person again because the connection hasn't made you know has been made yeah. so it's very unique i love what you said doctor about like when you give the example of the flood and how yeah you, we all are closer to the people that that are closer yes. to you and sometimes it's funny because i've seen this happen like you, you know whether it's in in a, in a football concept or sports or or at right. work, you become closer to those people. You will defend them, even you don't have a relationship with. It. You just be, belong to that tribe. You become like part of that, and you just kind of like stand by them, you know, and yes. become part of that culture. Regardless, uh, you can spend a little or no time and become like literally side up with someone that you just met versus someone that you haven't or you you barely know. So it kind of it's a weird how it works, I man. But I guess the brain is just a magnificent. Uh, you know, piece of, of of technology, you know, that is beyond our understanding, you know, and and you know, and by the way, there's there's something you said that you know when you have these these, um, like for example, the earlier you talked about the drinking and the alcohol and all these things, yeah. as they destroy. I mean, it's really the same concept, like a computer, you know, hard drive that gets corrupted with a virus or something. I mean, those are the viruses yeah. that kind of skew up all the the functions and then you don't function properly but i mean it is it is like everything happens here i mean it's it's just unbelievable and you live in that world i mean this is like where you thrive <laughs> yeah 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 so so I'll, I'll talk about um the idea of love that we have for a country uh because mm -hmm. uh in today's world people are not sure if it's good or bad all right but uh love for a country like for example you're particularly fond of morocco all right I'm particularly fond of Australia, okay? Both of us are fond of the United States. Why? Because we have certain ties to all of those countries that we just um, mentioned. However, the science in this is that if we become exposed to other people who love other countries, we actually start to care about them and their country. So if we understand that there are some people that like Morocco, some people that like Latvia, some people that like Australia, some people that like the Philippines, whatever you want to go through, and that we all feel this, that it's actually okay. Because uh, in end analysis, all of these countries are a part of being part of the whole world. Now, the thing is that 
Nationalities, as you know, can disintegrate into tribal warfare, right? Mm. It's okay playing football against each other, just let's not send bombs uh, across uh, to each other, okay? And so the scientific understanding is that our brain is going to love the people close to us, and we can then respect other people that love the people close to them. But when we meet them, which we do on the internet, the whole world does become smaller and like a global village. So there is a possibility that we could actually start to care about each other a whole lot more so that we actually start working together to make the whole world a better place. And I know that sounds idealistic, Hurricane, but the science says that we could actually do it. Oh, listen, I'm all for it, baby. <laughs> That's, I, I, I want that. I mean, I wish that's actually what we all, you know, stand and, you know, it ends a lot of stuff. As a matter of fact, some of the questions are going to touch exactly on this topic of conflict and war and all on the crimes and everything. So, yeah, yeah. so, so thank you. Doc. Will I, is it okay to, to, to move to the next one? Yeah, yeah, so I, I, I think I think I think you mentioned something about survivor of the fittest. I think there is one question here that kind of touches on that. Yeah, there we go. Uh, let's see. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. So I think it's two parts of the long question. So I'm just going to go to this one. Oh, doctor. Historically, we have seen a lot of war and carnage, imperialism, colonialism, slavery. What drives a human to do these acts, uh, accept and justify them? Does this have to do with the survival? Uh, I think that's the second part. Uh, instant supremacy, survival of the fittest. <laughs> I guess you called it. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. So, uh, that's all right, because this is related to what we're talking about when we have an us and them mentality, all right? Uh, and we're not just going to play football. We actually believe that we're better than everybody else. This is when we get into trouble, right? But when we meet people, okay, so, so let's take it away from nationality for the moment. Let's take it to people that I work with, people with mental health issues. There is a lot of stigma out there still against people who have schizophrenia, bipolar, depression, anxiety, anorexia, anything. But when you meet these people, when you have a coffee with them, when you sit down and chat with them, you find out that they are a person just like anybody is a person. And when, when these people are your neighbours and you get to know them more, you go, they're just people. They're just people just like us. And so the science behind all of this is called the mere exposure effect. Just by getting to know somebody who is different to you, you will find out that they're actually not that different, that they are actually people. And we naturally start to see that we are all people. The thing is that when we're in societies that keep ourselves apart from each other, then we start to have ideas that there's something strange about some, somebody else. And if there's somebody strange about something strange about somebody else, that means we must be superior. Okay. So if we move away from that to sort of see that we are just like anybody else, having that attitude as a basis means maybe we could help each other to get by as much as we can. And that's why in the medical profession, we're looking for cures for schizophrenia. We're looking for cures for bipolar disorder. We're looking for cures for cancer and heart disease basically to make this world a better place. So does this come up to survival of the fittest? Yes, it does. But the way that we actually survive better is when we see that we survive together, and which is why when we're in a world now that we could destroy each other through war, we could destroy each other by letting the climate go out of kilter, if we actually come together to sort of say, you know what, we're now in a situation where we're either all going to survive or we're all going to die. So we may as well work together, which is actually what happens a lot, to make sure that we all survive together. And that's the advantage of the mere exposure effect, seeing that we're all in this together. Well, thank you, Doctor. But but this is this is, I think ideology that was introduced to humanity i mean you know through some i guess i would say extreme you know ideology uh because yeah. in essence i mean you know it's more of the animal world that does that i mean yeah you're stronger than you 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 rule right 
You're the lion. Yes. You can take care of business, right? But in yeah. the human factor, we, we don't have that. We, we have a perception that we think because of what we have, possessions, maybe military power, whatever it is. And then we think, or maybe some, as you said, you don't understand the others, you know, like the culture or the religion, whatever. And then you start stigmatizing, you know, and basically, you know, uh, just, just basically labeling people and thinking that they're just less of a breed of human, you know, kind. Yet they're equal to you. They have the same emotions. They have the same, you know, philosophy. They have the same, I guess, learning to live and a happier life and make money and produce, you know, you know, in the society and so on and so forth. I mean, I think that that ideology was specific at a certain time, you know, in history. And uh, there's a little bit more of the, I would say, the Darwinism in there as well, you know, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And so there's there's a lot of that that, you know, like we are just, you know, whoever is better is going to be the one that's going to take over and so but but you're right like when you i, I mean i'm going to give an example i mean i don't know if you've seen the last samurai which was a, a movie a long time ago with tom cruise and in that story you know the this the tom cruise is is this this soldier of the you know an american soldier you know in, in, in the, this particular era and then he gets you know kidnapped by by the samurais and then he kind of fell in love with their culture and stuff and realized that they're not as bad as you know we were making them to be and that's that, that story re keeps repeating itself in history in reality to, to date i mean we we almost demon, demonize some some groups or some people or whatever it is because of culture because of their the lack of maybe knowledge or technology and then basically they're just inferior because but at any given point in history people were you know more advanced than others all the time there's always people that do more innovative stuff than others that doesn't make them any better you know if they just have more knowledge at a certain point of time and and it never lasts anyways because i mean where's the roman empire where all these yeah. big empires kind of disappeared over time even you know you look at the the chinese empires before dynasties i mean they were supreme at a certain point right the mongols were supreme the third the, the ottomans you know and so on and so forth but they eventually it all and now today with the science that we have and the connection everybody's got access to the science and and so on and so forth so it's just a race of who's going to have more but then also that reflects i think in our society now we're like who has better values or, or uh, possessions i drive a much better car that means i'm better i i can wear a watch that is sixty thousand. i'm better i can wear an expensive suit that I'm, I'm better you know i can go to this particular school really all it means that you're able to pay for that because of the yeah. means that doesn't mean that someone else doesn't have the same intellect i mean you know yeah. th that's the thing like almost it introduces the idea that you're less of an intellect or your less knowledge i mean sometimes literally people can look at your hear your name or something and they assume that like let's say we're in the west right i mean i'm in the u.s someone may just hear Hisham or like, you know, some name and they, they automatically kind of like, maybe this guy doesn't even speak English, <laughs> you know, and, right. and, and it, yeah. I've seen that happen where people are like, you know, they just assume that you are maybe not capable or not able, not educated. And it becomes like a weird thing. Like what, what makes you that assumption? But yet it happens. So, so I think this, this whole question is going to be always, you know, with us, because as long as we think as humans, as long as, long as we have, the ability to gain things in from life yeah. we will feel that we are more you know better than the next person that that may not have that now they may not have it by choice they just don't want they don't care about you know possessions and worldly things or material stuff they just they're content so that makes a big difference for them but but we don't so i i'm sorry yeah. i just kind of mumbled a little bit there but but it's it's kind of weird you know to think about it like how we operate as humans whereas we're all the same yeah yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm just going to map out uh, our knowledge bases here a little bit, Hurricane, because uh, we're in very interesting areas and we're in uh, areas that are uh, up for debate in today's society. Okay. Mm. So we mentioned a few things uh, that work according to evolutionary biology, so survival of the fittest, or evolutionary psychology, thinking that I'm better than you. And then we talk about sociology, where there are different ideas, where history repeats itself, and what are we going to do about that? Mm -hmm. And earlier I mentioned that science would actually like us all to get on well. Now, a pure scientist would say, well, science really doesn't have an opinion on that. Okay, I, I, I will disagree with that, because a pure science uh, does not make judgments. It does not make values. It doesn't sort of see what the morality or the values behind anything that happens uh, is. 
However, uh, we're making value judgments all the time. So I suppose what I'm saying through that is in this discussion, we're going beyond science and we're going uh, into sociology, but we are still trying to grapple with this idea, Hurricane, and this is what probably underlines all of philosophy. We're still trying to grapple with the idea, how should we live the good life? What is going to make life better? And okay, so we got into that question, are we talking about for ourselves or for everybody? But we are still here, just in our own little studio here, trying to work out what will make life better. So the question becomes, what behaviors are you, Hurricane, going to have and me and anybody listening that's going to add value to life? What are the things that we can do with the next person that we meet that's going to make life a little bit better? And what I put to you is, and I'm going to go back to the science, the science of uh, evolutionary biology, it shows that as you go up the, the chain of life, we actually care about each other more. Two worms do not care about each other as much as two wolves care about each other. And two wolves don't care about each other as much as two chimps care about each other, all right? And two chimps don't care about each other as much as two humans care about each other. However, two chimps can also tear each other apart because of the things that we're talking about. Humans, as history has shown us, definitely have the capability of tearing each other apart. So it comes down to choices. And as I said, the science is moving in the direction that we actually make choices. So when you next meet a human being, I would put to you that the thing that would add value to all of life is if you choose to find common ground, if you choose to get to know them, if you choose to accept and understand rather than divide and conquer. Well, well doctor, so, so someone can ask, I mean, the question does come up, you know, Yes. Why people make the wrong choice? Well, it's not a wrong choice, but why do they make the choice not to want to discover the others or, or understand the others or at least, you know, not judge the others? Because I think, as you said, it's a choice, but yet we pick the one that I guess is more feeling good for us, right? No matter what that is, good or bad. And yeah. in, in, in the wrong, you know, mind, that choice can be detrimental, destructive, and, and can cause harm to the others. On the right choice side, you know, someone who picks like love and peace and, and understanding the others and respecting the other differences. And that's the thing. I mean, as humans, we have a beautiful thing, which is we are different, yet we are the same. You know, we are different yeah. in our cultures. We're different in languages. I mean, literally, this today I was driving and I'm just, I was literally just looking around and I, I realized that what the hell people have you know hundreds of languages and you know they they have different beliefs there and it's just like and we all kind of have the same thing everybody has you know grief everybody has happiness everybody wants to to have the basic elements of life and no one yeah. really is is waking up like hey i'm i'm just i don't want to be like everybody else i want to be you know different I, I think at the end of the day we all want the same things yet people choose to 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 kind of pick that side which is not necessarily again it's a choice at the end of the day like you said it's the mind it's whatever they pick but it's amazing that we have the ability and and i don't know if that's scientific in its own i mean i think it's more than just our human nature uh that, that's part yeah. of it yeah so 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 you are touching upon human nature it's very interesting to me that about uh 50 years ago 40 or 50 years ago one of the big questions in psychology was if all things are equal people tend to choose the good thing to do. And the question was, why? Now the question becomes, if all things are equal, people tend to do the selfish thing. And the question is, why? And I think we've actually got an answer to, well, okay, now I'm going too big, but my theory on that has to do with how the brain works. And the way the brain works is if you put in the effort first, and you get a reward, that feels really good. It's just that in the last 50 years, we have found a lot of ways of getting the reward without putting in the effort. So I'm talking about alcohol, I'm talking about drugs, I'm talking about the internet, I'm talking about social media, I'm talking about gaming, I'm talking about being able to access pornography without having to go on a date. 
right? It all takes less effort and we get the reward. The trouble is what the science has shown is if we actually do that, um, our dopamine levels go down and we actually get more unhappy. So in other words, uh, we have yet to learn that if we find things putting in effort, that's what's going to put in, that's what's going to keep us happy. We actually feel better if we've gone through some pain first, some study, getting out there to ask somebody out on a date, uh, going on a hike before you get the big mountain view, all of these things take effort first. So in other words, pain first, pleasure later. Work first, play later. Uh, if you connect pleasure and purpose, that keeps you driving forward and it actually feels better. The trouble is you have to delay it, right? And we now live in a society where you can get the pleasure first. And it's very difficult to get the human brain to say, no, don't take the pleasure. Let's go for the purpose and the effort first. Then I'll give you the pleasure. And all of our brains, including mine, will say, no, no, just, just, just give me the reward first. You so know, it's, part of that is part of the answer. We've actually got to put in the effort to get on well with each other because when we do, feel so good, Hurricane. It really feels good. Oh, it, it does. And again, I mean, I, I can't find another good feeling when you actually do good and, 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 and just entertain with other people and just be good with them. I mean, I think this, it's a reward. But I think what, what you're referring to is appreciation as well because, you know, I mean, it's a very simple concept. If you work for something... You know, let's say you want to buy a car and you work hard and save money to yeah. buy the car. You know, then you value that car. I mean, we're talking about destru destruction and vandalism. If it's not your stuff, you don't really care. You're destroyed. Okay, yeah. whatever. But if it's yours and you've worked hard on it, you get you tend to almost love that thing more, and you you kind of like you know what it took to get there, so you have a better you know understanding and value and appreciation for it. And and you said, but you know, if we are just like entitled to everything everything is easy there is we don't even we don't care like i mean talking about like crime and killing and stuff for example i think we, we might have covered this before but people are watching games most of the time you know i think about a year ago so we talked about some stuff like that where people yeah. were like doing mass shootings you know it's just a game for some of these people i mean literally it, it looks to them they they get uh, into one of those consoles and they're like they're shooting at, at targets now and they take that to the real world to them is exactly the same they don't even know if there is that those are real lives that you you know you and families and and you're destroying so it changes the dynamics but if you understand what you're doing and you get a feel for like every step of the way to get there like it's even yeah. a relationship i mean you, the dating is probably the one example everybody knows <laughs> you know yeah. it when when you do a lot of the work you appreciate that actually time you know with that person as opposed to like you know it, you don't even have the satisfaction of that person because it's like okay it's in now you know whatever and it, it's just that way but it's it's different when you actually do things with with your mind and actually with the selection and you put the work i mean I, listen, I mean, every time I listen to your doctor, like, you know, just like valves just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, one analogy that I want to give you, and I'd like to say that there was a study on this, but I don't remember if there actually was, but um, there are some people who like climbing mountains. Now, mm -hmm. I want to give you the example of one person who prepares for months, who makes themselves fit, who saves up to buy the cabinets and the ropes and everything, and then one day they go together with a group of friends and they climb the top of a mountain and then they look out over the world from the top of this mountain. Now, there are other people who have got a lot of money and all that they need to do is hire somebody with a helicopter to take me to the top of that mountain. They go to the top of the same mountain and they see the same view. And the people who have been working for months and putting their blood and sweat into it they experience more joy. They experience more of a sense of achievement because it's in relationship to the effort that they have put in. So they appreciate it more and they see it as a life event. And so I wanted to put a peep to people out there that that's how life works. If, you've, if you're in a relationship that takes effort, that's good because the payoff is good, right? If you have... Uh, sweated to get through exams and you finally um, pass, that's good. It's far better than buying the answers and just getting the diploma without it, okay? If you feel that you've made a difference in somebody's life and it's taken you a lot of work to do that, 
that's good. The payoff is much higher than if you didn't bother in the first place. It's always, and, and the science of uh, what's happening in the brain chemicals is moving in this direction to know that all of life is actually a lot more complex than we think. It's not just that we feel good with dopamine, but we feel good after we've put in effort and then get some sort of a reward. Life is only worthwhile if you actually live it and not, not from a bedroom and a console, but actually get out there and do the hard yards. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's, I'm listening to you, but, but the world that we live in today is changing, yeah. right? Now with yeah. AI, and I think we covered AI, you had ChatGPT against you for, for a session <laughs> one time last year. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we talk about, for example, the meta world, right? You know, and yeah. I, I love that you've you've covered a lot of stuff about the way we live today, the social in the last 50 years. And I think even you you shared about studies about the, since the invention of the iPhones and things, people have changed. But, but this yeah. whole thing, to your point, is going to keep changing, probably to the worst, because what I'm seeing is that people are getting... Unfortunately, I would say lazier because everything is easier to access. Yeah. Uh, there is you don't have to work hard. I mean, even food you don't have to go. You can just, hey, get this for me and drop it to the door. I mean, you know, you don't even have any connection with that particular thing. You didn't sweat to go yeah. there. It, you can earn money sitting on your desk at home and don't even leave. So, they, so I think we're losing those pleasures that we typically had. I mean, you worked hard yeah. during the day. I mean, a farmer, right? You got to get up early. You got to work all day and you got to wait for months before you get to see the, the results of your hard work. But then when you see yeah. those trees and you see those fruits, wow. I mean, a good example. I mean, I've always used the martial arts concept, but you, in order for you to get a belt, you know, you know, a rank, yeah. you got to put a lot of work and effort, you know, and when you get that, yeah. like, oh, yeah, I mean, you're not going to get a belt unless you earn it, right? So so it kind of works that same way. It's a lot of work that gets there. And then you you look forward to the next one. Now, if imagine everybody just gets hair, take take a belt, you know, you're cool like that. I mean, you look cool, but you're not going to have any of the satisfaction and knowledge or the, the, the actual understanding of what it took to get to that point. And I think that's yeah. actually what we're experiencing. And you know, listen, I, I have this discussion with my kids all the time. You know, yeah. they, they have things because they happen to have things. You know, I mean, yeah. I didn't have the same things, for example, that they had the same way they had. It's my fault <laughs> in a way. And I, I blame myself sometimes like because you kind of spoil your kids to a degree because you feel that you, you want to give them more. And I think that's all parents, you know, what they do. They want to give more and have them experience a little bit more than what they've experienced. But but in a way, it's you hurting them, and I, I you know at a certain point I realized that you know no you gotta you gotta take some stuff away you gotta have to earn you know their their yeah. ability to get some things and and you know you want to get this well you gotta work towards it you gotta earn some points and and get some score to actually get X Y Z so it, but it takes time and you have to adjust that but I think in today's modern world and you know and I think even across the globe now it doesn't matter what country you probably you know can name. I think this is happening today. Everybody, I mean, everybody's got an iPhone. Everybody's, I mean, these iPhones are like a thousand plus, you know, dollars. I mean, it's not, not cheap. Yeah. Some a thousand dollars up parts of the world. It's it's like ten thousand dollars in in it's terms of income. Of it's a lot of money. Yet everybody has them. How I have no yeah. idea. But 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 it's weird that it's happening. You know, at this rate, because again, we talk peer pressure. It's it is the one the right thing to do, and everybody's almost copying everybody. But there is no real flavor about how it's it's happening you don't really get to enjoy things when it's just handed to you i mean you know yeah. like you said people actually cheat you know they don't get any satisfaction and they don't retain anything anyways <laughs> so yeah. it, it's yeah. kind of like you we can't do that in life yeah yeah so you talked about laziness and uh unfortunately uh so never in human history have we had a situation where we're all sort of glued to a screen or we can take entertainment with us in a little phone, right? And the <laughs> thing about the brain is it is actually lazy. But I'm going to give people a way of using their laziness to their, uh, to their advantage, right? So the example that I use is um, we started to break horses and ride horses because we were too lazy to walk, right? Then we put carts on horses because we were too lazy to carry all the stuff that we wanted to take on our horse. Then eventually we invented a, uh, a uh, combustion engine because horses weren't fast enough for us. And since that time, we have invented faster cars 
because we're too lazy to walk and we want to get somewhere else quicker. And now we all use jet planes because they're faster and we're too lazy to walk, let's say from Australia to the USA because it would just take too long. So laziness can actually drive creativity and invention in us as a species. So when you are lazy, and this is what I do when I'm lazy, I go, what am I lazy about? What is it that I actually want more conveniently? And how can I use that to drive a value and then a goal that I have so I can do something worthwhile in this life? And if your uh, laziness is, look, I want to invent something like a remote control so I don't have to uh, travel three meters to a television or a screen, then be the person who actually takes the remote control, invent it and market it or get together with other people so that you drive our whole society towards the good. Because computers, AI, robot technology, all these things that we are having, they're just technology. Hurricane Day could be absolutely wonderful or as they, they could be, as you said, an absolute disaster. But I believe what they're going to do is make us confront how our brain works, how our mind works, what our values are, and can I take charge of all of the stuff that's inside my skull to do something worthwhile in life today? That's a hard responsibility, Hurricane. Hard responsibility. It is. And, and you know, but we all have that responsibility, right? I mean, yes. we all owe it yes. to the world, to ourselves. And, and again, I love, I mean, this, this particular show itself, you know, is, is a unique show because we, we talk about some stuff that most people may not have the ability to hear about on a regular basis. Yeah. And the advice that you give and the analogies, I mean, they're pretty easy to understand once you hear them. And, you know, it's simple, yet it's complex because we're not exposed to it on a regular basis. But once you yeah. hear, it's like, okay, you know, it makes sense. You know, I think, I think we have a better way. The way you present it, the way you break it down, it's just like, Oh, wow. You're just like haha moment. Right. And it happens. And, you know, but, but it, it's amazing that we have the ability, we have the resources, we have all these things. We just don't analyze. People are not going in. I know you and I, we had a joke last, last month about analyzing me, <laughs> but you know, people don't analyze things, right? You know, they, they just don't question things. They don't ask questions. You know, they just go with the flow and you know, it's all cool yeah. because it's easier, you know, and when you start like putting, the questions and questioning things and wondering and pondering and, you know, it, it just like too much for the brain. I mean, it's like, oh, it's too, yes. too, too heavy, but you're right. It's like the matrix having that red pill means now, you know, and now yeah. you have the responsibility to okay. act on it. Yes. Okay. So um, what happens is people will then sit in front of the screen or they'll listen to people like us and they'll go, Oh, this is all too much. I cannot solve the problem of the matrix. I can't solve the problem of all the world, uh, all the world's wars and famines. I don't know what to do. So in that context, I encourage people to do only one thing. Know what your values are, right? And to know what your values are, and uh, we've talked about this, I've got five questions to help people find their values, but it may take a whole weekend, it may take a whole three days to go, this is what I value in life. Because first you have to know what you value in life and you use that then to drive your goals to go after what you value in life. And Hurricane, we tend to value the same things. We actually value friendships, love, close relationships, some self-expression, a sense of belonging. And these are things that we value. But then the question is, how can I then use that to actually drive my life forward to do it? Because if, if I sit in my living room trying to, um, trying to solve the questions of where I fit in society, I cannot fit, uh, fix society. But I can do something about myself. I can do something about my next interaction with another human being. And that can make a difference for that human being to go to some other human being, other human being. And all of a sudden you've got a whole group of human beings looking at their values and saying, well, if we actually appreciate friendship and value friendship, let's be friends. Then comes the hard work. <laughs> well, again, there's nothing without hard work. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. things that, but but it's it's just the way it is. It's supposed to be that way. And I I always say like there's nothing good that comes easy. 
I mean, it's it's really and all the great things in life they require work. I mean, nothing is that simple. I mean, even the human being takes nine months to be actually conceived and and delivered to this yeah. world. <laughs> so so you yeah. know, it's that kind of thing, right? Uh, well, listen, doctor, I think we've exceeded the time, <laughs> and you know, as always, you know, I've gotten enlightened myself, and you know, hopefully, we've delivered some of the the good stuff to 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 our audiences, and that maybe we can make a difference again, one person at a time, and one show at a time. Uh, as always, doctor, thank you so much for 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 joining us, for taking the time. I mean, I know your time is very valuable, and you're doing great things out there. Uh, and so, yeah. Um, that's it, folks. You know, we're coming to the end of the show. Anything, uh, Doctor, to close with, you know, today's uh, episode? Look, Hurricane, just thank you for um, putting this together so that we actually talk about all these things. And uh, what we do is something of value, and I would encourage people to know their values so that they can move forward in their life with their goals and values. All right. Well, that's it, folks. Uh, it's a wrap for January. Uh, we'll catch up on... Uh, oh, it's a leap year. We got 29 days. So how about that? You know, next month is going to be a longer February. All right. We got we got an interesting year this year. So uh, I'm not sure when our next... You know, it's the last Friday of, of the month. So I, I got to look up at the calendar. I haven't looked. But, but you know, uh, please tune, out, tune in, you know, on that day and join the discussion. Send in your questions and you can always participate in a call. And you know what? Guys, don't be shy. Please join the discussion. It is, you know, not every day you get an, a professional, an expert in, in this world to actually answer questions. And you have this ability, you have this opportunity, take advantage of it one way or the other. Uh, that being said, I'm Hurricane H. So we'll be talking soon with a new show and uh, we'll catch up on the next one, folks. Bye for now.